0: Well, today marks our third year anniversary as a church family. (laughs) And I am so thankful to be part of this church family with you. (laughs) I would come to this church if I wasn't the pastor. I like it that much. (laughs) I I love worshiping with you guys. I I can't, I love dreaming with you guys. You know, we think about three years. I I can't help but think about 30 years. And there's so much more God's going to do. But I'm thankful for what he's done. And it is a real honor. You know, we didn't plan it this way that on our third year anniversary that uh, our apostolic leader, Duncan Smith, is with us tonight. it worked out with his schedule that he was able to be here and we didn't even realize it coincided with our three anniversary till he showed up. Uh, well, I realized it about a week ago, but that was news to me then. Uh, and so uh, I just want to honor him. You know, you guys are gonna get a chance to hear his heart today. And Nancy and I, just because of our role, we've had more of an opportunity over the course, not just of the last three years, but really the last five yeah. Uh and I cannot overstate the impact that this man has had in my life. You know, just there've been key moments where his wisdom uh has saved the day. And you guys didn't know it cuz I didn't blow it. <laughs> but but he, he's been just a uh, an incredible treasure of wisdom, encouragement. You get discouraged in, in, when you're leading. You get, a, you get discouraged when you're building. You get, you get discouraged at times. And, and there have been moments along the way where his encouragement was like being in a desert and finding an oasis. You know, there have been moments where he's laid his hands on me and stuff that wasn't Jesus got broken off of me. And stuff that was Jesus got imparted to me. So there's been freedom because of this man in my life. There's been healing because of this man in my life. Nancy had plateaued out in her recovery process since December into January, into February, and early 105%. Duncan laid his hands on her and said 105% right now. And she's been at 105% since that moment without fail. Uh, So, uh, the Bible says that we have many teachers, but we have not many fathers and Duncan is a father. I've been through a, what I would consider one of the tougher seasons of ministry that I've, I've experienced the last couple months and just even the last couple days being able to sit down with Duncan and pour my heart out and, and his response has so represented the father. So Nancy and I are privileged to pastor here, but we're able to do it because of how well we're pastored. And so there's a momentum that we're part of called Catch the Fire World. And Duncan serves as the president of Catch the Fire World. It's a worldwide movement of church planning and renewal and revival. And how many of you have heard Duncan speak before? Raise your hand. Oh, I'm preaching to the choir. How, uh, anybody, you're, this, you're new. This is your first time to hear Duncan. Okay, you're in for an amazing treat. Duncan, why don't you come up here? I want to pray for you. Nancy, why don't you join me? Whoa. Jesus. Ah Lord, thank you for Duncan Smith. For everything that you've put on deposit in him. Lord, turn the valve on full blast so that what's in him gets on us in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Whoa. Wow, what's you going to just leave me like this? <laughs> <laughs> In case you were wondering why I do that, I've no idea. (laughs) Just, I've been doing it for about 16 years—no, 15 years—of the past 17 that I've had the joy of being a son of the house of Toronto, Catch the Fire Toronto, which used to be called the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. Uh, Family that experienced incredible have experienced incredible revival for twenty two years, but the first time uh, i um, i 've always known you know if you lay hands on the sick they 'll recover right that 's what the scriptures say, and that 's what Jesus said to the disciples and uh, but then it, it, it never really occurred to me that um, you know if the book of Psalms could say he sent forth his word to heal them that if you know how Close. does your hand have to be on somebody for God to take you seriously? That you mean it when you say be healed. Like, you know, does it have to be pressed firmly on them or just slightly medium or maybe lightly? Well, if that's the case, then maybe about a quarter of an inch away, maybe half an inch away, maybe a foot away, or maybe... (laughs) several yards away, you know? And uh, I discovered that by accident, and I think there's plenty, you know, it's unlimited. And I think there's plenty of biblical precedents for it anyway, like Jesus saying to the centurion because the centurion said, just say the word and it's done, you know? But uh, for me, it was when this uh, 17-year-old I did not like him in our youth ministry. And my nighttime job was being the youth and young adult pastor or network leader. And uh, my day job was executive director in Toronto. So I was leading 160 staff and 11 directors in my nice English pinstripe trousers and handmade shoes and pinstripe shirts and thinking that I was the dog's whiskers. (laughs) And then I would change into my very uncool jeans that I thought were cool it was like my attempt to try to be youthy oh, they were red <laughs> <laughs> they should have been outlawed I should have you know known that and actually it was a bit of a wake-up call a few years later I gave them this to this German guy that you know he, He's a really tall German guy, and I thought he'd really like them because Europeans are a little bit more flamboyant, like Germans can be more flamboyant with their colors. So I thought, wow, my red jeans, he's going to love those. Well, I bumped into him. He went to America. I bumped into him uh, at RTF in Hendersonville in North Carolina. He said, oh, Duncan, I've been wanting to see you for a long time. Thank you ever so much for those red jeans. They've been perfect for my clown outfit for the last four years. (laughs) Well, despite my red jeans, God was using me. And uh, I remember being in this um, youth camp and I would reluctantly had allowed this young man, Mark, we called him Sticks because he was very thin, tall guy, and um, I banned him from the youth because he'd been dealing drugs. But he begged me a few months later to come to the youth camp and i Against my better judgment, I said, yes, but obviously we've got several eyes on you. And, uh, but he, he seemed different, seemed more humble. So anyway, I'm standing at the back of the, of the, um, the camp in the middle of worship, and uh, there's about about 100 youth in there. I've got my eyes up, I've got my eyes closed and my hands in the air, I'm worshipping, you know. Surveying and keeping my eye on Mark Sticks over there, definitely. And uh, I noticed him come down like this. And anyway, I just closed my eyes. And well, as he came by, unknown to me, I had my eyes closed like this, hands in the air. As he came by, got to about here, and I didn't know that. But I f- suddenly, the Spirit of God on the inside of me, and I just rose up and I went like this I've never done that before and I'm like I opened my eyes to see what that is and Mark is there like this and he went bam like he, like he somebody had taken a baseball stand right there son <laughs> with a baseball bat straight on his head and it knocked him so hard onto the floor and he just lay there shaking and twitching with his eyes closed and he was gone but when he got up about 20 minutes later he was you know um, very shaken very overcome and uh, he said he, he could barely speak and he's like the worship's still going on and so it's come to an end now and he gets up and he's like oh oh pastor oh God just hit me I think I am I think I'm healed well that's good Mark now get back to your seat I still didn't like him (laughs) turns out he was completely and totally healed from kidney cancer that he'd just been diagnosed with a few weeks earlier his parents came to the church and thanked me with all their heart yeah it's pretty awesome and uh, the neat thing is, up until a year ago when he got married, um, you, could, you could go to Toronto because he was on the sound desk, he was one of the sound engineers, he went on to be trained and became a very, very accomplished sound engineer and you could go up to him and ask him, he'd tell you the testimony with joy on his face. So uh, ever since then, you know, so, I, so that sent me into this season with kind of with it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of had a bit of a swagger with it, you know. (laughs) And then some of my youth came up, so that was like August. Some of my youth came up to me in December. At that time, I didn't travel at all. I was confined to Toronto, and for good reason. I confined myself. I was extremely busy leading a global ministry uh, that the nations were coming to a thousand people a night every night and had been since 1994 how many of you know that that's that keeps you busy and um, but in 2003 uh, John released me to start going to the nations my first trip was to Australia and uh, I'm about to go to Australia and my some of my youth come up to me on the youth night and they're like Oh, Pastor Duncan, you know, you've got these bows and arrows ever since stick got healed and it's great and we've seen lots of healings, but you know what? You need an upgrade. Your weapons are too medieval. <laughs> you need something more modern. I'm like, ha, that's funny. Yeah, I can you imagine if I had machine guns or something. that'd be funny wouldn't it (laughs) yeah so anyway I get to Australia and uh, this isn't what I'm preaching on I'm just preparing you to hear the word (laughs) that's not funny it's true anyway (laughs) anyway so uh, I just want you to know everybody God's not who you think he is He's way better, for starters. He's way kinder and he's way richer, as Abraham found out. That was a good word, Steve. Very well, very well articulated. So anyway, I get to Australia and uh, have this amazing time. God, by he graciously uses my wife and I, amazing miracles. And uh, this church from up the road to the one that we were visiting, uh, heard about the meetings, got so touched, said, begged me if I'd come and speak at his church, church of about 500 people, an AOG church. And uh, I said to him, well, yeah, I can, but I'd have to change my flight because I was due to fly back on that Sunday. And uh, I said, I'll check with my wife. Well, Kate was like, you stay, darling. I and the girls will go home, my three daughters, they will go home and you stay and do one day and come home on the Monday. So I'm like, great, okay. So I, so I went, and on the, the church were hungry. And on the Sunday morning, it was real kind of powerful, daddy's love, people getting really blasted in the father's love, and, you know, snot and tears everywhere. I mean, it was, it was epic. It wasn't a dry eye in the place, mine included. It was just amazing, but it was, it was more genteel, more, more you know, it, it was dripping in daddy's love. So I'm, I'm that afternoon, spent the afternoon with the pastor and his wife. And that afternoon, I get in the shower to get ready for the evening meeting at 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whenever it was. And as I'm, I'm taking the shower, the Holy Spirit says to me, Duncan, tonight's different. Tonight, I'm coming savagely. I said, "Woo." Okay, that's a serious word. What do you mean you're going to come savagely? He said, I'm coming savagely tonight. And by the way... The youth were right. It's machine guns. I'm like, okay, that's just me. That's my imagination. That's just, you know, whatever, right? And I carry on and I go to the meeting. I, I preach on what the Holy Spirit had given me to preach on, which was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I get to the end and I invite the church if they would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come forward. Well, 500 people all came forward. Now, the average age of the church was probably in the region of 75 years old. I don't know. Forgive me, Lord, if that's an exaggeration. But there was a lot of folks that were more advanced in years. And so I'm... I'd forgotten, well, I kinda had it in the back of my mind. I was just hoping that the Holy Spirit would forget that he told me that he's gonna come savagely because I looked around and I thought to myself, these don't look like the sort of typical candidates for a savage meeting. So to my astonishment, the entire church comes forward. We have to clear all the chairs right back. And I'm, I'm sort of pacing up and down. The Spirit of God's on me really heavy. And he says to me, don't forget, I told you tonight I'm coming savagely. So I'm like, okay. All right, could I just have some catches, please? Well, you know, my human thought is, who do you think you are? Benny Hinn or something. And then my second human thought is, that's what they're going to be thinking. And then my third human, third human thought is, yes, that confirms that's what they're thinking. Because nobody came forward right so i said i'm i'm sorry i can't go any further unless i have some catchers please could i could i please have some catchers well, they're all up up at the front here everybody's up at the front so anyway one or two people drifted out you know kind of sheepishly really we haven't seen this in a while <laughs> so i get to the i get to the first person like this and there's a catcher behind and then a second catcher and then a third catcher and the Lord said, don't forget, son, I told you I'm coming savagely. And I remembered the, the, what the kids had said to me. So I'm like, here we go. <laughs> I went down, oh, down 500 people who went down so violently that some of them shot backwards three or four rows back. And they were 80 years old. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to lose some limbs here. And people were just shaking so violently. And, and the reason I'm, I'm telling you all this at the beginning of this message is that, hey, yeah, 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 God's not who we think he is. Whoa. And the amazing thing is, is that despite the average age of everybody in that church, nobody got hurt. But that meeting, to this day when I go back to that city, they talk about that meeting to this day. Glory to you, God. Three year anniversary. By the way, thank you for inviting me. And thank you for the kind words you said, Alan. You're amazing. You are two of our favorite people in the whole world. And um, you guys make Catch the Fire so much better. You guys are part of a... Yeah, you've got great pastors. And it's my joy to be here on the third anniversary. There's something, something special about the third day, isn't there? Right? I feel like it's actually Resurrection Sunday for you, Saturday for you. And um, I feel like everything changes today. And we already heard that from Summer. Summer and Chris are two of my favorite worship leaders, lead worshipers in the whole wide world. That song, you know, baptize me in fire, make my face shine. That's going to go all around the world. How many of you know that? Yeah, the world just needs to catch up to that song. When the church at large hears it, they're going to be stuck singing it. That's one of the best songs ever written. And, um, ooh. and she said it. She said, there's a shift. How many of you heard her say it? She said it a few times, there's a shift, there's a shift It's a shift, it's a shift And it is, it's a shift Because the three year anniversary of any church plant And this is a beautiful church planted right here in Dallas-Fort Worth Can you imagine that? Planted right here you guys How privileged are you, you know? It's like to have a Holy Spirit filled church planted right here in your neighborhood oh man heaven really likes this church and um, and, and, and there's a shift now because from this moment God's going to start to lift your eyes as a church you've had your eyes on each other and on the Lord and that's good you should, from zero to three, right? That's normal, that's right. But when you get to three years old as a church, God allows there to be, it's okay, it's okay you can just lift, lift, lift your eyes just a little. There you go. What do you see? Oh, oh I, see, I see people. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I see people all around me. Yeah. That's right, son. That's right, daughter. There's more people that I desire to lavish my love on, to bring them free, to set them free from all of the nasty works of the devil. There's more people that I'm excited to lavish my superabundance and prosperity on. There's more people that I want to Coat with liquid golden honey on the inside and the outside. There's more people that I want to come into the revelation of Jesus Christ, my beloved son, as their Lord and Savior. As their healer, their deliverer. There's more than just what you know. And that's what happens from today moving forwards. So get ready to make room in your life... For people that will never be able to pay you back, that will inconvenience you, that will cause you to have to make a change, that might even sit where you always sit. <laughs> well, doggone, they've gone and sat right where I normally sit. <laughs> Turn with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 15, Luke 15, and reading from verse 1. Now, uh, I just w- would like to say the context of Luke 15 it says it right at the very beginning. We'll read it in a moment, um, but Jesus tells Three parables in Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of two lost sons. Actually, be better stated, the parable of the loving father, because the dad's the real hero of the story. But we're not going to read the story of the loving father or the parable of the lost son. We're going to read the first two and we're reading the first one simply to gain context. And we're really going to zero in on the parable of the lost coin. And I want, you to, I want you to understand that I come to you this evening with an impartation. From the Holy Spirit that will cause you to literally shift gears as a community and as a church family to go from being uh, a church that understands and experiences and encounters the Father's love to being a church that continues to experience and encounter the Father's love but to encounter that love far more when you give it away outside of the church walls. The river of God always flows to the great sea. How many of you remember Ezekiel 14? 47? Uh, and in Ezekiel 47, you see that the river flows ultimately to the great sea. And in the great sea, okay, the de- which was the Dead Sea, there's, wherever the river flows, it brings freshness. It brings life. And uh, it says that abundant fish are there where the river meets the Dead Sea. It brings it all to life. And uh, the metroplex of DFW, okay, has got an awful lot. But when God looks, he doesn't see the Dead Sea. He looks and sees where his river wants to go and where his river wants to flow and where he will cause there to be an abundance of fish in an instant. All right, here we go. Then all the tax collectors, I've never thought of this, but that means there wasn't a single tax collector in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria that was left out. Every single tax collector. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you, everybody say man, Man. what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Come on, I love that. When I was a kid, you know, I was a missionary kid in Nigeria. I was born there in uh, West Africa. And there's a lot of snakes and scorpions and leopards and, you know, some, uh, some interesting wildlife there. Um, and uh, it kind of looks like the, the bush, in, you know, in Texas. It's just full of elephants. It makes it a little different. And, um, and when you're a little boy... It's a, the bush is pretty scary, you know? The, the, the compound's familiar, the, the mission base and, and, and the church and the, the village, the Nigerian village, everything's all familiar and everything's great. But the bush, the bush is scary. Oh my gosh, there's lions in the bush, right? But my dad is and especially was a great adventurer. And he always wanted to go walking in the bush. <coughs> and my dad would say boys come on and i was the oldest and he'd say boys come on let's go walking in the bush well actually probably at that time it probably was just me and uh thinking about it and um he, uh, my whole life that i can remember it's always been boys this boys that but actually i was three years old so i was the only one and you and we go walking in the my dad would say come on duncan and he and we'd go walking in the bush. And I'd be walking with him holding his hand or running along behind, trying to keep up. And my dad would always make me walk, you know, to start with, like any good father, you know. And I'd uh, be like, Daddy, are we almost there? Up uh, just over the other little hill, son. We'll be, you know. Oh, Daddy, I want to go home. Uh, keep going, keep going. And finally, we'd get up the top. And, and then the next one, and be like, and then I'd start, like, you know, turning it up. You know, turning up the whining and the whinging until finally my dad would say, all right, son, come on, let's let's give you a shoulder ride. Yes. And up there, I'd go up there on top of his shoulders. And my dad's a big, strong guy. And I'd be there with his big old bald head right between my legs. And I'd be like, yeah. And I'd rub his shoulder. It's not his shoulders, his head. And I'd push his hair because he had one of those comb overs, you know. He had a comb over forever till he finally, finally kind of got the courage to realize, you know, there was only really two strands left. So <laughs> it's, it's time to just... And, and I'd, so I'd be there and I'd be rubbing his bald head and I'd be pulling his comb over down. Wow, that's really long, you know, and poking him in the eye and having fun with my dad. But I loved it up on my dad's shoulders and I would say to him, Daddy, yes, son, there's lots of snakes, aren't there? And scorpions, yes, son. And they're in the bushes, aren't they? Yes, son. They can't get me though, can they, Dad? Because I'm on your shoulders, aren't I, Dad? There's something about being with your daddy that causes mission to be exciting and to be safe. And some of you have been reluctant to go on the adventure with God in the jungles of the Metroplex of DFW. But you need to realize that you've been in daddy's lap, but now he wants you to go on his shoulders. He's got a big shoulder ride adventure for you all. And the snakes and scorpions can't touch you. Now there can come times where he'll ask you to walk. It gets a little, feels a little more dangerous. But some of you need to realize there's an opportunity for those of you who know what daddy's lap looks like, your prime candidates To show him off to the world. And he's going to want you to go on that adventure with him. And in fact, today starts the adventure. And you need to allow yourself to see yourself on his shoulders. So that you become brave enough to walk with him on the adventure. Now, it says this. It says And when he came home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that that repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, everybody say woman, woman, having 10 silver coins... If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost." Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Notice who's the one, who's the subject of the joy? First of all, who are the observers of the joy? And who's the one that the joy is coming from that they're observing? We've always thought that, oh, when a sinner gets saved, the angels rejoice. That's not what the scriptures say. The sinners say, That when a sinner repents, there is joy in the presence of the angels. Come on. Who's the one who's joyful? Yeah, the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who, according to Augustine, are lover, beloved, and love. And the lover, the eternal lover, loves the eternal beloved who in turn loves the eternal lover and the love that flows eternally between the lover and the beloved, the beloved and the lover is none other than the love of the Holy Spirit himself. And so C.S. Lewis describes the Trinity as the dance of love, the eternal dance of love. Why? Because there's constant movement. Love is always moving. There's movement in love. Love is not static. Love doesn't stop. And stay in what? The movement of the spirit from the lover, the father, to the son, the beloved, and so on, round and 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 round. Which is why, whenever God's described, very often He's described as a whirlwind, because of the whirlwind of love. Why in the world would we expect that this God, who's on the move all the time, would not want to move with us to the world. You see, we don't go to church. We are the church. And we're not going to heaven per se. We will. But we're not going right now. We're already there. You're already seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. that's either true or not and we're a bible believing church (laughs) well if we're a bible believing church then we're believing the bible from heaven (laughs) we're there already we're in the heavens and in that realm of the heavens There is no sickness, there's no death, there's no blindness, there's no deafness, there's no multiple sclerosis, there's no poverty, there's no demonic oppression, there's none of that. And the world is longing for that realm and longing for that reality. They don't want religion. And if the church looks like religion, then no wonder they run from it. But if the church begin to demonstrate what heaven looks like by bringing heaven into the everyday ordinary circumstances the world will begin to desire who you are and what you carry and most especially the God who loves you and loves them and so I want you to understand that Heaven is, if heaven could be that excited, if the Trinity could be that excited over one person who's lost and now becomes found, how much of a gigantic, and the the Trinity's present right here with us, how much joy do you think you could experience if in the next three years you have 100, 200, or 300 salvations Or, in our context, yes, salvations, but very often salvations that are the prodigals coming home. How many of you in this room, and I bet you there, you'll be, you'll be amazed. How many of you in this room have a family member going out as far as nieces, nephews, cousins, who's not saved and is prodigal. Just look around the room, hold your hands up, look around the room. If every single one of those came home, the whole place in here will be full. We haven't even talked about the lost yet, uh, the, uh, the, you know, we haven't even talked about the pagan unsaved. We're talking about the lost from Christian families. I'm excited about that, and um, I'm impressed with your demonstrations of excitement. I find them quite overwhelming. Right, I'm gonna. I want to bring out two points. Two points. This is the. This is. Listen. Pop your ears open. This is the most important. These are the most important two points. Point number one. Why a coin? Why a coin? And I can understand a lost sheep I can understand Jesus using remember these are parables so I can understand Jesus using a parable of a lost sheep to help the people that were listening and us now 2,000 years later to understand that he is showing us the heart of God towards a human being who he considers to be a sheep that is lost and israel has been he said i'm the good shepherd and he's in in fact jesus calls us his sheep so i can understand a sheep i've just never heard him say i'm the good coin collector <laughs> and i can understand a parable about a who loses two sons and wins one of them back Because God's our Father, and Jesus came to show us that. So I can understand that, but why in the world a coin? Why a coin? This was a profoundly deep question that I desired to know the answer for, and I began to meditate on the Lord about it. And because I know, that, how many of you know, it's not an accident that Jesus said, and what woman, having lost a coin, and I began to think about this, and I thought about a sheep. You know, when a sheep's lost, you know it. I've worked with 22,000 sheep on a 100,000 acre sheep and cattle ranch in Australia when I was 19 years old. I know a little about sheep. I also worked in England because I come from a family, a farming family. Uh, some of you might remember that when I preached on the bull. Remember? Remember me preaching on the bull? How many of you were here when I preached on the bull from Proverbs 14 verse 4 where the manger's nice and clean. Where there's no ox in the manger, the manger's nice and clean, but with the strength of an ox comes a great harvest. Remember that? And when a sheep's lost everybody you know it. I mean <laughs> I mean, they've got voices, serious voices. And anybody, I mean, you know, we we don't realize it because we live in our nice kind of, you know, sterile lives. We've forgotten that, you know, the food that we eat was walking around on four legs or two legs or, you know. But sheep, when they're lost, they're loud, they're noisy. They do their absolute utmost to be found. The boy, having squandered all of his father's wealth that he was given, one-third, he ends up in the pig feeding pigs in the pig's well, the boy realizing that life sucks. Badly remembers his father. He was capable of remembering his dad. A sheep is not capable of remembering the shepherd. A sheep just knows I'm lost. Bah, bah, bah. But at least it can do that. But a boy, a young man, oh yeah, with all of his faculties, he can come to his senses. In fact, that's what Jesus said. When he came to his senses, he remembered his dad. And having remembered his dad, he can plot his way home. He can plot what he's going to say. He can plot his entire reintroduction to the family because he is cognizant. But a coin, a coin is a brainless, witless object with zero sense and zero voice and can do nothing to help its owner ever find it. And that's how lost you were before the Holy Spirit came and found you. You see, God considers that every human righteousness, holiness, or being found by God as a coin is. And God holds the span of the entire universe in his hand. On that scale... There's no microscope powerful enough to find you on that scale. That's how small you are. And that's how big he is. I remember my eldest daughter, you know, she came back probably about eight years old. She came back from school one day. She said, Daddy, at the dinner table, Daddy, you know, you've always told us that God holds the universe in the span of his hand, Daddy. Well, I heard today, in social studies, we send our kids to public school. And they loved it, and all three of them gone to some of the finest universities in the United States of America, two of them to UNC Chapel Hill. And uh, I'm just saying public school's not as bad as most Christians think it is. And kids are not as weak as we think they are. And I'm not recommending it to you if you don't have faith for it, but I am saying to you that if you're a pastor in this room, whatever you do, send your kids, please, to public school because they've got enough on with church and you at home and the Christian environment. They need a little bit of a break. Oh, don't take me too seriously. Anyway, at least that's what we felt. We felt our kids needed a break because we were so serious. We're so grow- our kids grew up in a very on-fire household where Jesus was in it almost every sentence and we were in revival and going, taking them to revival nights every night. It actually was really helpful for them to go to public school. That's all I'm trying to say. But she said to me, so daddy, the teacher told me today that the universe is still expanding. And if it's still expanding, then how can God hold it in the span of his hand? Hmm? Now, she wasn't saying it out of unbelief. She was just saying it to be a smarty pants. Well, quick as a flash, I've learned a long time ago as a parent, you need a lot of help from the Holy Spirit. How How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so I shot one of those, you know, simple prayers to the Lord. Help! You know, I'm sure many of you as parents can relate to what I'm talking about. You know, And um, quick as a flash, I found myself saying to her in the Holy Spirit, oh, sweetheart, that's easy. That's easy. God just hasn't finished opening his hand yet. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good answer too. <laughs> But my point is this, everybody. If, if God's holding the universe in the span of his hand, okay, and he's that big to hold multiple universes in the span of his hand, and he's that intelligent to create all that and sustain it with his powerful word, do you honestly think that he thinks you're smart enough to find him? Do you think he's dumb enough to think that you're smart enough to find him? I've got good news for you. He's not that dumb. He's so smart, he considers you so dumb that he likens you to a lifeless coin that's lost. And not only that, he's so serious about you being lost and he so loves you with such intense love and he's so utterly committed to himself and his purpose that he considers it his responsibility that you're lost. And therefore, he considers it his responsibility to find you. How do we know that? Because Jesus likens him Self to a woman who lost, gave herself no rest because she lost it. We just read it. She lost it. And that's how much God loved you to find you. And when that, excusing the unintended pun, when that penny drops in your heart, you will suddenly realize how precious every single one of your neighbors and family and people that you meet all the time in the streets, how much God loves them, and you'll get really bold and really confident and really sure with full assurance that God will find them. And when you realize that heaven's partnering you with that level of faith that they're gonna be found, and that level of responsibility fulfilled that they're gonna be found, You might even get bold enough to partner with heaven. I love this parable. Why? Point number two. What was point number one? Why a coin? Point number two why a woman? Why a woman? I don't answer it, ladies. Why a woman, everybody? Clearly, Jesus says, what man of you, verse 4, having a hundred sheep if he loses one? And there were, there were girl shepherds everywhere in Israel at that time. But why does he now say, what woman? Now, I know that in the ancient Israelite time at that time, You can read up on the internet about it. Those coins, they may have significance. They may have some meaning concerning brides and widows and all of this different stuff. And maybe that's all true. But I still don't think that it's insignificant that it was a woman. I still think it's worth us taking note. And I said to the Lord, why a woman? I understand why a coin now, but why a woman? And his answer got me so excited, it supercharged me ever since. He said, Because I liken my people to the bride. And I'm looking for a bride that will be like this woman. I'm looking for a bride. I'm looking for Catch the Fire DFW to be a bride like this woman now what was this woman like well first of all thank you that's a, who said that that was a brilliant. relentless are you as a church family and don't be looking at the pastors and go yep yeah, I knew it you should be into more evangelism <laughs> that is the spirit of stupid coming upon you <laughs> rebuke it and get it off of you Don't be looking to everybody else and think that it's all their fault. Time to man up and be this woman. Come on. He's looking for a bride that will give themselves no rest, a bride that will light her lamp, a bride that will pick up her sweeping brush. You know that the world doesn't need you to point out their sin. However, the world is looking for the reality of the someone to help them see the consequences of their sin. And if they can see the consequences of their sin, and if they can see the absolute devastation that their sin is causing, and they can be led to a revelation of righteousness and the way of righteousness, they will make their own mind up about their sin and what to do about it. And you will be like one with a sweeping brush. And she, it says right here that if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp... I preached last time I was here in February, early March. I preached on the lamp. Do you remember? The oil and the everlasting supply. But you need a flame on your head. Well, that flame on your head is not so that you can flip and flop around in here on Saturday afternoons and have a jolly old little party in the river. Although, without the party in the river, church is really boring. (laughs) So don't give up on that. But don't be selfish with that. The fire on your head is for the world. To see the way home. And that's what God's looking for you to be like. That's what God's looking for Catch the Fire Raleigh to be like. That's what God's looking for Catch the Fire Toronto to be like. That's what God's looking for the whole 30 churches across our movement globally, Auckland, Sydney, Melbourne, Australia, to have a passionate love for the lost. Because we have a revelation of how lost we were and how gracious God was in coming and finding us when we were without hope and without God in this world. And we just like that and Get going. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. Now, where's that little coin? Where did that little coin go? Where is it? I can't find it. Oh, there it is. Woohoo Ah I found you, my little one. Oh, yeah. Oh, hated to lose you. Oh, yeah, I've tucked you inside now, though. You're right in my top pocket, right next to my heart. I love you. You shiny. (laughs) Oh, you're just so shiny. Yeah, you're you're treasure, you're treasure. You're just flat-out treasure. Yeah, I got you right where you belong with all my treasures. I don't, want one le- I don't want to lose one. You know that God is a businessman and he's not going to let one single one of his coins be lost. And in the end, when he comes back, every single one of his lost coins will have been found. And you may well be commended for being the very woman who found them. because if heaven can throw a party and I'm talking about a Trinitarian ridiculous party that angels are in awe at over you finding one lost coin imagine the party that will happen when the Metroplex gets saved and let me tell you something everybody How's the Metroplex going to get saved? One by one. One by one. One by one. There's, a, there's an anointing on this message. And I know that it's touched your hearts because I can tell when I'm preaching, you've got such incredible hearts. I love, I love this church. This is family. Family feel like I'm in Toronto or in Raleigh or in London it's family you guys you represent catch the fire really well congratulations on three years in three more years I prophesy this house will be filled with untold treasure this house, this family will literally literally be triple the size because you've gone treasure hunting because you took this word seriously because you started to pray in the secret place where nobody was looking because you started to take, take it seriously you started to think less about your church and more about your city more about your family more about your friends more about your workplace and all of a sudden church found its real meaning for you not a place you go but a place a, a people that you are a multiplying people a growing family amen if you would like the anointing of that woman of the bride Give us that relentless energizing, that that anointing that energizes you to be relentless in looking for the lost tonight. I just want you to come out here to the front in this whole area around here at the front, just here. Just just come on out. God's going to baptize this church with fire. And not so much fire that kind of tickles you. Although that's good But I'm talking about a fire That burns I'm talking about an an energy That takes you over That supernaturally Ignites Your passion for the lost Because there's not a person in here In this room that doesn't want to win the lost I know that But the reason we don't spend our days doing it Is we're frightened actually a little nervous and when we admit that not everybody but many of us and when we admit that we come in our need to God we come in our emptiness to God and we say God fill me with boldness fill me with courage fill me with your fire give me a tenacious relentless spirit of love that compels me and controls me and sends me just come on in your own words come on just get violent get violent for a moment with god he's he's okay with it he's good with it just come on speak up tell him how much do you want of him how much do you want of him just a little just ask him for boldness, cry out to him. God, give me boldness, Lord. I ask you for boldness, Lord. I'm asking you for boldness in the restaurants. I'm asking you for boldness in schools. I'm asking you for boldness at university. I'm asking you for boldness at the gas station, boldness with my family boldness of thanksgiving God oh God just give me thanksgiving I'm going to take thanksgiving I'm owning thanksgiving this year come November God make me so bold make me so courageous that I finally have the courage to speak up about you oh come on come on everybody I can't do this for you but God will take you very seriously in it I promise you Spirit of God, fall over these beautiful family of Catch the Fire, Dallas, Fort Worth. Spirit of God, give them a three year old birthday present today. Your presence, your power for the lost. Give them, put sweeping brushes in their hands. Put lamps in their hands. Put the lost on their shoulders, God. Put the lost on their shoulders, Daddy. Let little sheep come home. Let lambs come home. God, I just. You know what, I just see you. I see some of you literally bringing people, metaphorically, little lambs, broken little lambs, on your shoulders and bringing them to church. I literally see the Lord changing your heart right now in a moment, in a moment, in a moment, changing your heart right now to becoming a tender, loving, shepherd-hearted, radical Lover of people as well as Jesus. And I just see you, God giving you new eyes in your sockets, new eyes new eyes for the lost. You'll never see them the same way. You won't see drug addicts in the same way. You won't won't see rich people in the same way. You won't see people driving around in BMWs and Mercedes in the same way. You're gonna see the pain in their hearts. You're gonna see how broken they are, how lost they are. You're no longer gonna be afraid of them. You're gonna see. Compassion is gonna take hold of you. Compassion is gonna overtake you. Compassion is gonna motivate you. You're no longer gonna be frightened. You're going to be fueled with kindness And fueled with comfort And fueled with compassion Holy Spirit, baptize this beautiful, precious family With compassion And Folks, I just want to tell you one more thing Alright, listen up everybody There was a guy, an elderly man I once read about, he had a son, he was a beautiful godly man and his son, just a spirit of rebellion came in him, he was a teenager and as soon as he got the opportunity he left home for 10 years, he never contacted his parents. Not one phone call, not one letter, nothing. Total, complete silence. Gone. Mom and dad had no idea where he was. Well, the old man was a true father. His heart just began to be broken for his son. And he started to imagine. He knew, he knew his son was dumb. You know, he knew that his son would be in trouble. He knew his son wasn't very smart, not really worldly, brought up in a really good home. That's more dangerous. How many of you know that? Than a kid that's been brought up in the ways of the world. And his heart just began to just just break for his son. And one day after 10 years, couldn't take it anymore Walked out onto his back porch And he'd been reading How the voice of the Lord You know the psalm The voice of the Lord is in Is in the waters It's in It's in the trees it's in the, You know I forget exactly But he just he's like okay The voice of the Lord is in the wind And he faced the north wind And he said north wind Hear the word of the Lord I command you to carry my voice. Then he turned to the east, and he said, East wind, hear the word of the Lord. Johnny, come home. Then he turned to the west wind. West wind, I command you in the name of Jesus. You take my voice to Johnny. Johnny, come home. Then he turned to the south, and he did the same thing. Johnny, come home. Well, not many days later There's was a knock on the door he opened the door there was his son Johnny standing right there disheveled the father just the son collapsed into his daddy's arms the father just wept and wept over his son he just couldn't barely believe his eyes after all those years can you imagine 10 years Without your son, your beloved son, who you grew up in the ways of the Lord, prayed for every day. He said, Johnny, well, after they'd finished weeping, he said, Johnny, why are you home? He said, well, Dad, I was in, Cal- this, this man was in Georgia. He said, Dad, I was in California on the beach. I was about to shoot up a joint. And all of a sudden, the strangest thing happened to me. The wind started speaking to me. I heard your voice saying, Johnny, come home. Come home. And he said, I just realized, what am I doing? And I came home. I'm glad you're still here. Come on, everybody. That's why I've supercharged your faith with that story because some of you, like that elderly gentleman, you've been weeping for your lost sons and daughters. And I want to say this to you grandparents that are in this room. Your sons and daughters might have turned away from the Lord. you guys today can make the decision that you're going to become the most dangerous grandfather and grandmother on planet earth and nobody's snatching your babies out of your heavenly daddy's hand including your own sons and daughters and you have authority in the bloodline over your grandbabies your grandbaby's salvation may well be the very thing that triggers the return of your own sons and daughters give yourself no rest be relentless in the pursuit of love to your grandbabies just go go for it don't hold back 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 just pummel your grandchildren with love give them all the love that you wished you'd given your kids give it to your grandbabies how do I know I'm a grandfather now and I'm dangerous and I'm telling you little Jude oh my gosh he's going to be the next right now bonky as far as I'm concerned are you kidding me man so come on Button down the hatches. Make a decision in your heart. My grandbabies, they're yours, Jesus. And they're mine. And I'm gonna give them no give you no rest, God, until you accomplish your divine purpose for my grandbabies. And God, while you're at it, bring my sons and daughters home. So everybody, let's face which way is north? That's north. Everybody face north. All right that's west alright somebody tell me which is north north is that way alright face north everybody well done y'all make great sheep All alright with all seriousness speak to the north wind just say I speak to you north wind hear the word of the Lord son daughter come home come back into the kingdom of heaven come back little lost one come you but come back I bless you your mommy loves you I'm sorry for any way we hurt you but come back I bless you to come home I bless you to be found I bless you to be found come home all right now turn to the east that's to your right Speak to the east wind. East wind, hear the word of the Lord. Son, daughter, call out their names. Come home. Come home. Come back. Come back into your daddy's kingdom. You're loved. You're loved. You're you're forgiven. There's nothing you could ever have ever done that you're not forgiven for. Come home. I speak to the wind. Come home. Now face the south. Face the south everybody. South wind. Hear the word of the Lord. And then say the name of your beloved one. Mom, Dad, come home. Jeff, Kate, William, Beatrice, whatever their names are, come home. I speak to the wind. I speak to the south wind. Come home. You're loved. You're forgiven. Come home. Okay, lastly, the west. Speak to the west. West wind, hear the word of the Lord. Donnie, come home. Miriam, come home. Mary, come home. Caitlin, come home. Just speak them out. Tell the wind. Carry the voice of the Lord to my children, to my nephews, my nieces. The lost shall be found in Jesus' name. Come home.
0: the fire of your spirit, we we embrace a new season in this house where we are grateful for the encounters that we have in this room, but today we take up the stewardship of being empowered by you to bring good news to the lost. In in, In this region, we lift up our eyes from Catch the Fire DFW to our city. And Lord, we say, God, let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. What a great night. Thank you, Duncan.